What's good, Bucket Busters? This is your host, Ro Zapanta, and this is my co-host, the glorious, the notorious, Tim Johnson. Rip City! And this is the Busted Bucket Podcast, locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the city of roses, the city of bridges, Stumptown PDX. We are a show with no rules, just a couple of friends who so happen to love Portland basketball. Tim Johnson. Sir. How you living, my friend? It's a new day, baby. It's a new day. It is a new day. It's a new day. And you know what? We actually would usually have a couple games to talk about here, but there is a weird situation going on with 2021, and it's called COVID. And, you know, these two Memphis games that we had coming up actually got postponed. So tonight, we're actually going to just talk about the Spurs-Blazers game, because that's really the only game that has transpired over the last few days. Um... We ended up losing that game, 125-104. to 104. Um, There were a couple things in this game that were a little weird. Tim Johnson, what did you think of the game? Well, I mean, it's it's always hard to think too highly of a, of a, a loss, right? But um, I will say, and you know this because I texted you, uh, why in the world is Rodney Hood getting the start over Gary Trent Jr.? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. He took that text and shoved it right back in my face because uh, that guy started off so hot. It was ridiculous. Um, definitely made me eat my words because that man had a great start to the game. Uh, in fact, he, he played a pretty good game overall. Um, I, I'd be curious to see what Gary would have done in the starting role because, you know, coming off the bench, he didn't do so hot. Uh, what was he? He had two, a couple of points. I mean, he was he, he shot atrocious uh, from the field. Um, but you know, it, Dame did. Yeah, Dame did what what we wanted him to. Go, go ahead if you want to talk about Gary. Um, yeah, with Gary Trent Jr., I think he just you know he's one of those guys where his his either his on or his off, and he's one of those dudes who you kind of just have to let him either play it out or you kind of. You kind of just insert him in spurts, kind of depending on what he's doing. And I think for that particular game, he wasn't shooting the ball very well. I mean, he was one for nine. That's only like 11%, which isn't very great at all. And, you know, maybe Stott saw something in practice or I don't know what he saw. But Rodney Hood, I mean, he shot nine of 14. He was 64% from the three-point arc. He was two for six, which is 33%. He ended up with a 21, two and two. He had great production. He did. He really did. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought him and Dame did uh, really well uh, for us. Um, you know, Melo coming off the bench wasn't half bad either. And you know, I'm, I'm real curious what what the what kind of production we should be expecting um, in in the next uh, uh, couple of months, really, because you know, we're, I think I think Stotts is going to have to get kind of creative with his lineups. Um, it it kind of seemed like. You know, maybe, maybe he was putting the best lineups out there um, during that game because, you know, you think about it. Who else do you have to throw out there? You know, uh, uh, Ant's not really – he's not really showing much this season. Uh, this game he didn't do a whole lot either. Uh, he's not really – he's not really – that backup point guard he's he's not really a, a distributor for for the team and i think stots may be trying to push him that way but 
really, I mean, the guy's the guy's an off guard. He's, he should be playing the two, and, and I don't think we really have another distributor besides maybe Hoodie. And, you know, the thing that... You know, that that's sort of my feeling, too. I mean, I, th I think the question becomes, if, if Hoodie's the only uh, decent playmaker uh, on the team besides Dame, is his role best suited in the starting lineup? Or is it best for him to come off the bench and throw in someone like Gary who can give you the defense? And maybe he's not as productive as Hood was this game. And maybe maybe he he doesn't play as poorly as he did this game. But you know, maybe you get him sporadically in, in stretches where, you know, he, he catches you know a, a streak or something because he's he's a streaky shooter he's he he definitely needs the, the volume to to catch some some fire but you know I'm, I'm just i'm wondering if if maybe gary trent was the right you know decision to put in the starting lineup because that second unit man there's no ball movement and i, I don't know what you saw during that game but i i didn't see a whole lot of ball movement and you know it, it definitely seemed that in the beginning of the game it seemed like they were just they were they were happy living with Lamarcus shooting jumpers, which we all know is a dangerous proposition. But it seemed like they were they were letting him shoot, not really pressuring him too much, and then trying to contain everyone else around him. And I think the problem became as the game went on, Lamarcus wasn't missing, and so as you bring um, Cantor further out out of the key uh to guard uh the 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 jumpers you also have to account for cutters coming in and, and you're playing more help defense that way and i think uh that's one of the reasons uh or, or one of the key contributors to the fact that san antonio scorched us from beyond the arc yeah i mean they were shooting really hot just in general they were they seem to be just not missing very very often and i think a lot of it is because we were missing the defensive presence of of nurkic i i, I don't want to say that he's a big defensive presence but he would be able to bother lamarcus aldridge a little more than Cantor does Cantor, when he gets caught in space he doesn't really deal with space a whole lot if you stretch him out you know, for those long mid-range two, he's just going to continue to backpedal and be happy with just getting the rebound. And I don't think with LaMarcus hitting shots like that, eventually the the defense starts to soften up and they you started seeing San Antonio just draining these long twos. And you would start to think that yeah. maybe well, Gary let's be honest. would have been... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, let's be honest, you can't, you can't play LaMarcus Aldridge like that and expect to have a, a good outcome because Lamarcus is a great shooter you know I mean well I don't know if I want to call him a great shooter he's a good shooter a very good shooter um and and his his game is so dynamic and diverse that you know you have you have uh uh Cantor playing him like that and just being okay with getting the rebound the problem is there aren't going to be that many rebounds to get yeah yeah that's that's definitely true um it was you made an interesting point um just just earlier when you were talking about damian lillard being the primary ball handler for the starting unit and you said that the second unit needs 
a primary ball hander, handler and you think it should be Rodney Hood. And you know, I, I'm starting to think the same way because I saw a tweet not too long ago um, kind of comparing Anthony Simons um, as a backup point guard. Um, and, you know, that experiment hasn't really worked out because Anthony Simons, I think his game is more like modeled after CJ McCollum than it is a Damian Lillard where he wants to shoot first a lot. He wants to come off these screens a lot and shoot. Um, and I think you just made a really great point that Anthony Simons, I think, might not be the distributor or the point guard, backup point guard that we thought we needed. Yeah, and I obviously agree. Um, I think our our backup guards are more... I mean, if, if I'm digging into Blazer past, they kind of... I feel like they're kind of modeled after someone like Martel Webster, where they're all about getting buckets, right? Like they, they want to go out there and shoot the threes. They want to get the dunks. Um, but you know, they'll, they'll play, you know, defense, uh, here and there, but they're, they're not, their game is not modeled around distributing the ball. And I think that's really, uh, hurting the blazers right now, especially with, with uh, CJ out because one thing that we're missing is is the staggered uh, rotations where you know if, if Dame goes out CJ's still there to be the primary ball handler and it's just I I don't I don't have a lot of high hopes for our second unit without CJ on the court yeah me me too and you know there's one person that I'm just waiting to pop. I'm waiting for this person to pop, and I've I've preached to all of Portland to stay patient with this pay, with this player because maybe he's still sort of figuring figuring it out, figuring his groove, figuring out the system and where he just fits with with Lillard. But this gentleman here, he he scored nine points, one assist, three rebounds, and it is Rocco, Robert Covington. Um, Tim, tell me what you thought about his play during this game. You know, it's. Kind of the same as I felt all season. He's right, right, yeah. Hasn't been very good. You know, he really hasn't been very good. Granted, he didn't take a lot of shots this game. Uh, what was he? He shot 50%, 4 of 8. Um, I mean, the, the real issue that I see is that he was 1 for 5 from beyond the arc. And, you know, one, one of the reasons we brought him in here was to be that 3 and D guy. And he's just not. Right now, he's he's defensively he's good in uh, kind of clutch situations. He's good sporadically throughout the game, mainly in the third quarter. Um, but to yeah. me, it kind of seems like he's kind of he's kind of coasting right now, and I I just I wanted to see more. I still I I feel like as as Blazer fans. We should expect more, and we deserve more from Covington. And it's just, it's not panning out right now. And I don't know if he just needs more time. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it's like a comfort thing or if it's, I mean, I don't know. I Maybe it's a weird season, you know, it could be something else. But, you know, I, I, I would I would hope that, Within the next couple of games, uh, maybe he takes uh, takes uh, the next step. You know, takes takes some strides to where uh, he needs to be for us to be successful. Because, you know, if if we're gonna have to rely solely on Dame and you know 
Carmelo Anthony and his canter, I think we're going to be hurting. Yeah, and just to give the listeners sort of a sneak peek at what Robert Covington has done this year, which isn't very much, I know the sample size is pretty small. We've only played 14 games, but here's what his averaging. His averaging 6.6 points a game, about 5.7 rebounds a game, 1.7 assists, and he's making his three-pointers at a 30% clip. 30, 3, 0. That isn't very high. You want to see it more in like the 38 to 40%. That means you're a good three-point shooter. We're, we're just hoping that Roko steps it up. The one thing that I will say about Roko that I do like is when I see him playing the small ball five and I see the ball rotating more, I see the lanes open up for, for Damien. Um, that part I like. I think we're, we're still in the, the be patient mode. I think 14 games is too early to panic. So, you know, I'm begging all of Portland, don't don't sell stock on Robert Covington just yet. <laughs> don't sell your stock. Hold on to it for dear life and just hope that it pans out. Um, with that being said, I mean, that's all we really have to talk about for the Spurs game. Um, we actually have a special guest with us tonight, a friend to the pod. You know, when you're healthcare workers like us, you get friends in high places. And this gentleman is a doctor of physical therapy, and his name is Doc J. Welcome to the show. What's up? What's up, Dr. J? <laughs> is, is, is that cool? <laughs> yeah. Am I allowed to say that? or Totally. Yeah, you're, you're, you're allowed to say whatever you want. Hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you guys calling me on the show. Like, uh, I feel like I feel like I'm I feel like I'm important or something. I don't know. <laughs> of course, you're important, especially <laughs> because we have some questions for you, Doctor J. All right, let's hear it. Specifically about two of our players that went down. Uh, let's start off with uh, the first injury. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic goes down with a uh, a fractured wrist. What's your general impression of that? What like as as Trailblazer fans, what do you what do you think we should be expecting here? Yeah, so you know that injury that injury is pretty interesting because they haven't released the details of, of the injury, but we know that it's a, a wrist fracture, right? That's what they're saying, wrist fracture. And what makes it complicated mm-hmm. is that the wrist there's so much anatomy to the wrist, um, but just based on what I know clinically and what I've seen in the field. I would guess he has what's called a displaced distal radial fracture. And you're probably saying, what the hell is that, right? Exactly. So what does <laughs> so what does that mean? <laughs> well, basically, like he fractured a bone in his wrist. It's like one of the bigger bones. Like it's more of the arm, but more towards the wrist. And he had to have surgery on it. So that means they had to put a pin in a bone that got loose. All right. Oh, man. Yeah. Like you have to have surgery on it. Like you're not just going to put a cast on a broken bone he had to have surgery on it that means he had to have it pinned hmm. all right so what that means is that that his wrist was unstable and they had to make it stable again and when you have to do that when a bone becomes unstable you know ligaments are connected to bones and likely he likely had some type of ligament trauma as well all right um yeah it's not it sounds bad i mean yeah i was just is. gonna say that sounds pretty awful like are we what, like what 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 is the timetable for something like this? I mean, it seems like, um, I mean, what what have we been seeing? Six weeks so far. I mean, is that? I mean, six weeks is that? Why are we talking like for 
him to recover or is that like after six weeks we should be expecting him on on the court now we're talking about six weeks we're gonna reevaluate and then go from there oh man so at, we're talking at the very best like if this guy doesn't have adrian peterson abil- healing ability at the <laughs> very best right we're talking we're talking six weeks okay so um, that's best case scenario realistically best case scenario realistically i'd say you're looking more like to the eight to 12 week mark to be honest with you dang i mean i guess we can hope we can hope for the best case scenario i mean as as blazer as blazer fans we know what to expect but we can always hope right oh yeah we, we could definitely always hope um and you know i think what we could take from that is that we need to hold off for quite a long time uh, without Nurkic. And Dr. Doctor J, I want to know what you think of the CJ injury now. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's a better, that's a better scenario, to be honest with you. Um, he has a hairline fracture in the middle of his foot. Like, you know, there's a bunch of bones there too, a uh, hairline fracture. But what it comes down to is his, him just resting, right? Let the, let the hairline fracture heal. That's all you got to do. Um, in regards to rehab, it's going to be a balancing act because uh, you want this guy to come back at full strength. Um, so, and you want him to stay in shape while he's healing, right? So that's what rehab is going to be all about: keeping this guy in shape while resting that fracture so it can heal. Now, you know, athletes are all about coming back early and you know pushing themselves. We don't really want that. We want this to heal all the way because we don't want this to turn into a chronic issue and having CJ with uh, chronic foot pain the rest of the season. And that's mm-hmm. like, you know, he's not going to oh, be no. playing at 100%. We want we want CJ at 100%, right? Right. I mean, at least like... Yeah, definitely. I mean... High 90s, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like yeah, we, I mean, this guy we, this guy was like on an all-star tear. Oh, yeah, totally. But I mean, we, we've seen him play through, through injury before. I mean, last year in the bubble, you know, he played through a, a spinal injury. So, oh, yeah, his back <laughs> injury, that's right. You know, I mean, how, I guess in my mind, like, how how crucial is it, do you think, for him to be uh, at 100%? I mean, is this something he can play through if he's not quite at 100% yet? You know what? Like, it really comes down to that fracture just healing. Like, he's not, he's probably not going to feel quite right when he come, when that fracture heals. So that's the trick with rehab, right? Finding that nice balance where... He's still effective and the fractures healed. So that, that's what it's really all about. It's tricky. Like you just hope that his training team is really good. His athletic team is really good. And they're, you know, they're NBA level. So it's, it's going to happen. But the key is like to lay him off. Like you got to calm him down. Like he's an athlete. He wants to be top notch. He wants to play right now, but it's got to heal, man. It's got to heal. That makes sense. You know, that sounds like some great advice. And I'm I'm just wondering, so what, what is the timetable now for CJ? And if you could just remind the, the listeners, what was the timetable again that you thought for Nurkic? And we're talking about for healing and also when we expect them to be 100% or close to 100% on the floor. Okay, since we're, we just got off, off of uh, CJ. So CJ, we're looking at four to six weeks, right? We always give a range. Like, is this guy going to be Adrian Peterson level or, you know, more normal human? So four to six weeks. He should be good to go. Um, they're going to ease him into his minutes, right? Probably more at the eight-week mark is going to be like 100% TJ, uh, the guy that we're looking for. Full minutes. In regards to Nurk, um, you know what? It's tough. 
it's tough. Uh, a lot of his wrist is probably going to bug him for most of the season. Um, it's going to affect him mostly on the offensive side of the ball because you got to you got to flex and bend that wrist, and it's also got to rotate for dribbling things like that. But defensively, um, he'll be able to function. Man, he's got to grab the ball, be a presence in the middle. Um, you know it. The offense will take some time, but defensively, he'll be there. But let's say, yeah, eight weeks is safe. It's a safe, safe bet. All right. So it sounds like we're going to be missing CJ and Nurk for an extended amount of time. And, you know, thank you for coming on to the pod. Thank you for being a friend to the pod. We're lucky to have you drop by. Um, I hope we don't have to talk to you again because that would mean we'd be talking about another injury. But Doc, Jay, thank you for showing up, my friend. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, shout out to you guys, man. I enjoy listening to you. Um, love you guys, man. Thank you. Man, so if Doc J is right, that means that Nurkic is going to be out six to, six to eight weeks. CJ is going to be out four to six weeks. The soonest that we are going to find help is CJ at four weeks. And I guess what I want to know, Tim Johnson, is that for each of these injuries, I want you to tell me whether or not you want to see the Blazers get in-house production to replace these players for now? Or you want to see a roster move via trade, free agency, buyout, whatever it is? Um, and I think we're going to start with our big man, Yusuf Nurkic. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, so, I mean, let's let's think about Yusuf. I mean, who do we have on, on, the, on the roster still? We've got Harry Giles. We've got someone like Rocco who could play the small ball five. We've got Cantor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of it. It's hard. For me, it's hard to say that we're going to have a lot of uh, in-house production with with those those players. I mean, you hope with Giles, uh, he gets some uh, he gets some minutes and and. Uh, really, really becomes productive. Um, maybe lives up to the to the hype <laughs> from his his uh, yeah his hype man and and my fellow co-host Rose Apanta. Oh yeah, but you know the the chances are that's not going to happen. Um, I think you know Cantor is a good placeholder until Nurt gets back, but I, I think where it's really going to hurt is the second unit. Um, I I too would love to see that small ball with Rocco. I think he might. You know, I I I, I called it the the kill squad, but um, you know that was back when CJ was still in it. But it, it was it was Dame CJ, uh, Gary Trent Jr. Um, uh, was it Mellow and Rocco? Yep, that was the one. You know that that was that was. I, I thought that was a really productive squad. I thought the ball moved around nice. I would like to see that more, but you know, obviously, instead of CJ, maybe we could throw in, uh, you know, Derek Jones Jr. or something. But I, I would like to see something, or, or even hoodie, I guess. Um, I would like to see that. Um, I'm not gonna say that making a move is is the right option, but I wouldn't mind seeing someone like McGee. Or uh, was it was it Alex Len that was Tucker? just um, released, or, or PJ Tucker? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing them at all. 
uh, I think I think that would be a great addition and you know could could definitely get us through until um, Nurk is back. Moving on to CJ. I mean, I think I think you can get in-house production. I think it may not just be from one guy. I think it's probably going to be split between Hoodie and Trent. And and, and I think that's a hundred percent possible. Uh, it's just uh, you know, I, I guess time will tell. Uh, we'll see what the what the roster moves are. We'll see what what kind of production we get out of them. But I think I think with our our roster construction i think it's easier for us to pass time without cj than it is without nurk yeah i'm gonna agree with you i think the fan base in general at least like like on twitter and reddit i think the general pulse is the same as what you're saying is that with cj um they feel like we just need to make roster like in in in-house lineup changes in order to like line up to make up yeah. for the lack of offensive firepower that's there with mellow hood and gary trent jr and i think you could come up with something to just kind of you know stop the bleeding for four weeks with nurkic i think there's more of a mm-hmm. panic level because i think the general feel is that we might not have the in-house talent to fill the void that Nurkic is leaving because that big man he played defense and he just knew like how to work with Lillard how to get him open how to get other people's open he was a great big distributor as well um so that one's a little harder to replace and I think most people want to see a roster move with that being said so we're gonna Mm -hmm. go four weeks at least without CJ that means we have 14 games now Tim I'm going to go rapid fire through all 14 games. Okay. And you're going to predict what our win-loss record will be. We're going to start with the first game. Okay. With the New York Knicks. Win. The next game, Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm, Win. Houston Rockets. Ooh. Loss. I was going to say, if you go all win down the line, (laughs) you're like the biggest... Blazer fan hey man in hey, the world. My, my my the Blazer believer in me wants to say win on every single one but I mean truth be told I think we're going to be in a good spot if we can go 50-50 in these games. <laughs> All right, next one. Chicago. Mm. Uh win. Milwaukee. Loss. Philly. Loss. Knicks. Win. Charlotte. Ooh. I think that's going to be a tricky one. Uh, I think they're going to sneak up on us and we're going to lose that one. Okay. Magic. Win. Philly again. Loss. <laughs> so we're losing both Philly games. Yeah, right? I, I believe so. Okay. Cavaliers. Win. Mavs. Loss. OKC. We won the first one. Yeah, and we're going to win the second one. Okay. <laughs> Pelicans. Last one, Pelicans. Uh, I think we're going <laughs> to... It sucks, but I think we're going to get manhandled that game. Okay. All right. So let me go through this real quick. God, I hope I went 50-50. <laughs> hey, hey, all right. <laughs> wow. Did you fix that? 
but you you fixed that, didn't you? Not okay. at all. Not at all. <laughs> seven and seven. So you, all right. With seven and seven, does that sound? Sounds like, like a as delicious realistic, drink. Does that sound as realistic as you think it does? I mean, I I think. Well, yes, I I do. I I think that is definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, I mean, there there were a couple of games where I said win that I I think that it's kind of on the borderline there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I don't think New York is all that good. I don't think Oklahoma City is all that good. But you know, I could see us splitting the. The, the games uh, between OKC. Um, I don't see us losing to Cleveland. You know, Charlotte's kind of one of those younger teams that we could win, but I just, I, I don't know. I mean, all these teams with, with decent bigs too, I, it's hard to say. I, I I, I'm being optimistic and saying we're going 50-50 in these. Um, in in all in all reality, we're probably going to be right under 50-50. Uh, we may lose a couple more. We might go like five and nine or something. But yeah, I was that was actually my next question. I was going to say over over under for seven wins over the 14 game stretch. If you had to choose one, you you feel like you would pick under? Yeah, I mean, it, dude, it's so hard to win without two of your three key pieces. I mean, these are the cornerstones of your team. It's it's going to be really tough. Um, and I think that's why I said I think if we can go 500 uh, through this stretch, I think we'll be in a good place. Um, you know, I think, I think I'm going to go with the over. And the reason why I'm going to go for the over is because what I really want to see is I want to see MVP Dame come out and play. That's what I'm hoping for. As a Blazer fan, I'm hoping that he's going to go on a tear. I'm also going to hope that Gary Trent Jr., this is the thing that he needs. He needs that void to kind of open up and him say, you know what? They came after my position with all of these signings. I... I'm still coming off of the bench. I feel like I have a kind of, you know, what do they call that? A thing on your back. You have um, a chip on your shoulder. Thank you. (laughs) I have a chip on my shoulder about coming off the bench. And I'm going to light it up. We've seen Gary Trent Jr. light it up. And I'm going to hold out for hope. I'm going to say over seven. But have we... I'm going to go back to your... Trent statement have we seen him string together multiple games like that though no but I don't think it's because he can't do it okay and I say that because I don't think Stotts has necessarily put him in the in the spots that he needs to to show he hasn't given him the opportunity I think that he yes he needs to give him control of his own place I think he's no, I, sort I, of the secondary, tertiary kind of option. I'm with that most of the I'm, time. I'm with that, and and I think that uh, you know I I said on previous pods I I think it would be cool if uh, you know I'd like to see Gary Trent Jr. break that 
starting five and have Derek Jones Jr. come off the bench because I think it would be good for, for Trent's psyche. I think it might be good um, for him to not have to be the primary or secondary scorer on the court. With that being said, we go to our next segment, and that, of course, is giving props. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in their respective sports. For example, Thrive Fantasy featured Anthony Davis' point total at 21.5 points. If you picked the over, it was worth 95 points. If you picked the under, it was worth 105 points. Thrive Fantasy also had LeBron James' rebound total at 8.5 rebounds. If you picked the over, it was 110. If you picked the under, it was 90. It's a fun and easy way to get into fantasy. Use promo code BUSTED when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Yes, and prop up today. And of course, I'm going to start by defining our segment giving props. And it is giving applause, giving kudos to a certain person, story, or situation. So, Tim... I want to know, do you give this props? Carl Malone says Zion Williamson needs to get in shape. He is quoted saying he needs to be averaging 40 minutes a game. You're a 21, 22-year-old kid. Your blank shouldn't be getting tired. (laughs) Tim Johnson, I want to know, do you give Carl Malone props for this statement? You know, here's the thing. Zion Williamson was heralded as the second coming of LeBron James for a long time. So for Carl Malone, one of the greatest forwards to play the game, to call you out and say that you need to get into shape, one, Carl Malone is not wrong. Two, Zion Williamson is a 21 to 22 year old kid who should have the energy to run for days. So yeah, I'm giving Carl Malone props because this kid is gonna, is supposed to be the face of the franchise. Zion, bottom line, we think you should be playing more minutes because I mean your team is five and nine and you guys are better than five and nine. You should be taking that team way more than five and nine. Anyway, so no props are given, or actually props are given no, to Carl Malone. Two props. <laughs> two props <laughs> to Carl Malone. For the next topic, we have during the Warriors Lakers game, Kelly Oubre drains a three and then gets a technical foul for doing this. RJ, our producer, play the video, my friend. He drains a three, and he puts his... <laughs> he starts to blow a kiss what? at Hold the on. defender. Is that, is that blowing a kiss, or is that... He was just saying, that was magnifique. <laughs> Either way, he makes a hand gesture by puckering his lips at Montrez Harrell. And he gets a technical for this. I want to know... There's two questions. Do you give Kelly Oubre props for doing this? 
And do you give the refs giving props for giving him a technical foul? All right. I mean, we'll start with Ubre. Uh, yes, I do give him props because you know when you're feeling yourself, you gotta keep it rolling, right? You gotta you gotta let those emotions out. So yeah, man, I would probably do the same thing. Like, that was beautiful. Like, did you see that shot? Take that, Montrez. Uh, yeah, yeah. I give him props. I do not give the refs props because it's not like he was instigating anything. You know, I, I I think most of the time you get a tech for that because you know you're trying to start something. You're trying to get under. Uh, maybe going overboard getting under somebody's skin but you know we saw didn't we see uh, CJ kissing at somebody in the playoffs did he get a technical then I don't think he did I don't think he did either and you know what I'm not giving the refs props either because those simple gestures like that they're not malicious that's no. just that's part of the game to me it's part right? of the game. I don't know if I watch I don't know if I've watched too much of 90s basketball or something like that for real man Stuff KG like would that, be fouled I out in the first five minutes. That. I love seeing stuff like that. Yes. <laughs> Definitely fouled out <laughs> in the first five minutes. But Kelly Oubre, this is what I have to say to you. You are blowing kisses. But do you know what you're averaging on three-pointers this season? You're averaging 21%. Maybe average <laughs> at least 30% before you start blowing kisses at people. Please. Nah, man. No. Anyway. Keep 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 blowing those kisses, Ubre. Keep keep those kisses flowing. <laughs> Spread the love around. Might improve your percentage. And that concludes our podcast tonight. Um, thank you, RJ, our producer, for giving us video. Thank you to Dr. J for coming in, giving us insight on the CJ and Nurk injuries, and of course, thank you to our fans for giving us fan engagement, replying to us on Twitter. Tim Johnson, what do you got to say? Well, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe if you're digging what we're saying. Stay safe out there, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.